Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Issue 581 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. And thank you for being a fan. This is Steven Schleicher. Right, uh, sitting here at Major Spoilers HQ, and yes, this is a different episode this week. We just got back from Nerdtacular 2014 in the beautiful Snowbird Resort in Salt Lake City, Utah, just outside the city, up on the side of a mountain. Man, we had a blast. It was so nice to meet all of you who came, whether it be DJ Count or the great NATO or just anyone who made the trek out to uh, Snowbird to be a part of this wonderful event that we do with frog pants network. And we've been doing it since 2000, I want to say seven, just a fun, fun time catching up with everyone, seeing old friends again, meeting new friends. Some of you knew first time you'd ever been to the show. And it was so great to meet you face to face. All of us went, Matthew went for the first time. I'm sure he will have stories to share, or you can go and check out his Facebook page or his Twitter feed at mighty King Cobra to see how he fared in the upper atmosphere. The only way we were able to get Matthew and myself and Rodrigo and Brian and Rob and Zach and Adriana to Nerdtacular 2014 is because of the wonderful support of people like you and our VIP members. Wonderful VIP members made the whole trip possible. And if you want to sign up and become a VIP and get a bunch of extra bonus content, you need to head over to members.majorspoilers.com, members.majorspoilers.com and sign up. I know we've got some new people who just signed up because of Nerdtacular 2014. Thank you, guys. It's so nice. We love signing all the stuff. We did have critical hit uh, sketchbooks there as well as postcards, and everybody got a free critical hit um, bookmark that they can use for their comic books or for their regular books or for whatever that they want to do. If you want to get a hold of the critical hit sketchbooks, it's going to be a few weeks. Everybody's got to filter back home, some of them from one end of the country to the other. We're going to get everything squared away, and then we'll get those printing presses fired up, and you will be able to order your very own Critical Hit sketchbook by our own Adriana. She's so great. She's so wonderful. I really, really love her stuff. So Nerdtacular 2014 was a great event. We sat on some great panels, and what we're going to do on the Major Spoilers Podcast Network this week is release those panels that we were on for you to listen to. So today we're going to do the comics panel that I, uh, that I was the moderator on and Adriana sat on. You'll hear more about that in a little bit. There were a lot of good things that happened at Nerdtacular 2014. One of the great ones were the double clicks. I know we've played some of their songs, put their videos up on the Major Spoilers website, Majorspoilers.com. I know you know what it is, but I've always got to say it. Majorspoilers.com is the place to go for comic book reviews, reviews, 
interviews, all sorts of things at Majorspoilers.com. And the double clicks were there. This is an awesome musical duo. If you haven't checked out their albums, I suggest you do it. A lot of pop culture references, a lot of nerdy references, a lot of just really good music that makes you feel good. The the one song that I love that they perform live, and I do have the song live, they did record their concert live, it's called Wonder Woman. And it's about Wonder Woman, and it's awesome. And it's sad, and it's uh, it's just such a it's, a, it's a special song. I would suggest that you go check it out. Their brand new album is out. It's only been out for a couple of weeks. It's called Dimetrodon. And the song on there is Wonder. Now, you can go over to iTunes. You can go get their album or all their albums over there at iTunes. Or you can head over to Amazon.com. Go over to Majorspoilers.com. Click on that Amazon.com link, and you can go buy all of the Double Clicks albums. I think they've got four of them out. I picked up three of them at Nerdtacular. We listened to them on the way home. Songs that are easy to sing to, songs that'll make you sad, songs that'll make you feel bad about being a troll. You buy those albums, you buy those CDs over at Amazon.com. You're going to pay the same price. The double clicks get their uh, their cut, and a little bit comes back to Major Spoilers so that we can do more shows like this, and we thank you for that. We do have the annual Major Spoilers Poll of the Week, uh, Salt, uh, San Diego Comic-Con edition, up there on the website right now. That probably didn't come out right. I'm still recovering. But it's that time of year. San Diego Comic-Con is just around the corner. It's one of the largest conventions in North America, or the largest convention in North America. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to flood into San Diego and have a good time talking about comic books, movies, and pop culture. We want to know if you are going to attend. So head over to the Major Spoilers website and click on that poll of the week. Happy Kitty or Sad Kitty? And what I'll do next week is I will uh, report not only on how... Um, how many people decided that they were going to go to the San Diego Comic-Con? And I'll tell you, most of you don't, and that's fine. But I'm going to track and see if there are more people attending over the last couple of years or if that number goes down. How many, If there are more major spoilerites headed to Nerdtacular than in years past. It's Majorspoilers.com. That's where you can find the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Also want to give a shout out to our uh, friends over at TweakedAudio.com. Tweaked Audio is where you can hear wonderful wonderful music like the Double Clicks or your favorite podcast. Go over to tweakedaudio.com. Check out all of the earbuds and the headphones that they have. Pick the one you like. And when you check out, use the checkout code MAJOR. Use the checkout code MAJOR and get 30% off the price. Now, if you were following Young Zach, if you were following Young Zach on Twitter on our way back from uh, the Nerdtacular, it was a long trip. It was a 13-hour trip. Zach was tweet, tweeting out about this game we came up with called XM Roulette. XM Roulette. Now, you may have noticed that we didn't tweet out the winner of XM Roulette, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But a lot of you are wondering, how do you play this game XM Roulette? And i got to tell you, listeners, it made the trip, a 13-hour trip, fly by. So the idea behind XM Roulette is to not just lock yourself to one station the entire time. Zach did uh, complain that we listened to 70s on 7 for about six hours. And even though he liked the songs, he's like, oh, Stephen, uh, do we have to listen to any more 70s music? And it's like, OK, well, we're going to play something. Now, I know generally what range the music is in and where the talk stations are, all of that good stuff. And so I was having the other passengers in my vehicle pick a number between one and 300. And we would turn it to that dial. 
and we would listen to that station for 30 minutes so that we can get an appreciation for other music choices, other musical choices. And if the driver, me, and you can play this at home, so it's, it's designed to listen to new music. Each player picks a channel at random, and if the driver decides the choice is a good one, a point is awarded to that contestant. So, for example, if Zach says um, channel 25 and channel 25 on XM Sirius or Sirius XM radio is a good channel that everybody likes or that especially that the driver likes, he awards a point. Now, you can't use duplicates. So, you know, if channel 25 is one that uh, one of the players picks and it's a good one, you can't go back an hour later and say, oh, I want to do 25 again. You can't allow that. It's a one time and it's gone. So no duplicates are allowed. That's number three. Simply, the player with the most points at the end of the trip wins. Now. At one point, Zach picked, uh, I think it was XM45, which is the Shades channel, XL Shades. And, you know, I would have given him a point for, uh, in fact, I did give him a point for introducing us to music that most of us wouldn't necessarily listen to. But he thought that I wasn't going to like the channel. And so for the first uh, for the first 20 minutes, all he did was talk up about how great the channel was and how I should have warned him a point. I was going to award him two points for picking a, a musical genre that we hadn't listened to yet, but all of his, all of his talking made him lose a point. So he only got one point in that deal. I will tell you that Zach ended up in third place. You're going to have to check out our uh, YouTube channel, Major Spoilers Video. I'd like for you to all subscribe. That would be great for you. Zach is working on the final round video. We did record it. A lot of smack talk, a lot of good things. You do get to see who wins and who gets the award. over at our YouTube channel, Major Spoilers Video. So, a couple of other things that you can do in XM Roulette that makes it a little fun. There are a couple of bonus rounds that you can do. If you land on the Broadway channel, the channel where they play all the Broadway music, the first person to guess the name of the, of the play, of the musical, earns a point. So in 30 minutes, you could probably rack up another 10 points if you knew them all. Same goes true with the Movie Show Tunes channel where they play the theme songs from movies, you can use both of those channels to earn extra points. Now, the other thing that happens is, is this is especially true if everyone in the car is very familiar with the XM channels. If the people in the car know that there is a favorite channel by the driver, you only get a point. You only get a point if the driver sings along with the song on that channel. So, for example... Uh, 70s on 7. I love music from the 70s. And so if someone would, were to pick Channel 7 in that half hour, in order for them to get the point, because we all know it's good music from the 70s, in order for that player to get a point, the driver, me, has to sing along to one of those songs. Now, here's another bonus way that someone can get a bonus point. So if, let's say, for example, you're on 80s on 8. This is the 80s on 8 rule that we devised. The player also gets an extra bonus point if Flock of Seagulls plays during that half hour. And the Flock of Seagulls released like four albums in the 80s. So there's a really good chance you're going to hit one Flock of Seagulls album in that, uh, in that half hour. What happens if there's a tie? Well, in the result of a tie in XM Roulette, and if you play XM Roulette, please use the hashtag XM Roulette. In the event of a tie... It's a random spin. Nobody in the car knows where it's going to land. You just turn that tuner dial up and down, up and down, and up and down, up and down until someone says stop. And before you play it, you can turn down the volume. 
before everyone hears the song, you can flip a coin or, you know, pick uh, at random who gets to pick whether the driver will like the song. And if the person picks that the driver will like the song, then the other person has to pick that the driver won't like the song, vice versa. And then you decide uh, how that goes. Now, we did it a little bit differently. Instead of the random spin, we uh, had Rob, who was riding in another car with Matthew. We had him pick the random channel. And the uh, the people who were in the tie had to decide whether they would go with Rob's choice as a good one and that the driver would like it or that Rob is not to be trusted and the driver, me, would not like it. So that's kind of the game of XM Roulette. I told you that we would we would talk about it this week on the show. Now, there is an alternate version that you can do. OK, say you don't want it. This was a huge 13 hour trip. So we were able to do like five or six rounds. Of the. Uh, of uh, XM roulette. There's an alternate version you can do. If you don't want to, you don't want to use the entire trip to play it. You could take the number of hours of the car trip and divide that by the number of players. And that would tell you how long each, um, each turn lasts. So if the trip's only an hour and there's four of you in the car, then you only do one round and um, you know, it's 15 minutes per round. Or if you want to have four rounds in an hour, then you listen to each channel for five minutes. Now, that's really kind of dangerous to shorten that amount of time because maybe in that first five minutes, you're not going to hear any songs that the driver would like on that channel. Or maybe you hit into a commercial break on some of the talk channels. You have to be real careful with that one. If you've got only two of you in the car, you could do a best of three and then flip flop it back and forth. So if my wife and I were driving in the car, well, me driving, she she riding then or vice versa, it doesn't matter. She drives her car a lot anyway. I don't mind uh, sitting back, but if I'm driving, she gets to pick three channels at random. And if I like those channels, you got to be really honest. The driver has to be honest and you can have a lot of fun with this. It really is a fun game. Then you award the, the points. And then after, you know, the, your three turns go, then you flip flop it where you pick three channels at random and the passenger decides if they like that channel or not. And you do a best of three, see who wins the round. The most important thing and I know this sounds silly and I know the rules are kind of scattered and sporadic, but the whole point is to have fun on the trip and to expose yourself to new music. And I tell you, we sat down and played hashtag XM roulette. We played that for about, I want to say 10 hours on the trip. The last 10 hours of the trip, first three hours, everybody was sleeping. It made that trip fly by. So that's XM roulette. Okay, I think that's everything that I want to cover this week. Again, thank you to all of our VIP members. You guys are awesome. I mean, really, really awesome. And thank you to everyone who went to Nerdtacular and who we got to shake hands with and get pictures with. Again, you people are, are just fantastic, and we're so happy to have you as part of our Major Spoilers podcast network. Okay, I want to give a special thanks to Todd at Alpha Geek Radio. He was the one that went around and recorded all of the panels at Nerdtacular, and he shared them with producers who in turn now are sharing them with you. We've got four of them this week. And uh, we thank Todd for all the work that he and his crew put in, and it turned out fantastic. If you want to find out more great shows on the Frog Pants Network, go over to alphageekradio.com. He streams that stuff all the time and puts up downloads. He's a great guy. He's really nice. I've only really gotten to know him in the last year, but uh, he does a lot of great work. In fact, uh, some of our shows are streaming 
on the uh, on the network all the time. So you, if you're just listening for shows to listen to a random assortment of shows, just point your your streaming player to Alpha Geek Radio and just listen live. All right, here we go. This is this panel is the comics panel at Nerdtacular 2014, where we sit down with Scott Johnson, uh, Brian Dunaway, Adriana Ferguson. We sit down with uh, Howard Porter and um, um, Joel Duggan, and we talk comics. So enjoy that, and we will check you on the flip side next time on the Major Spoilers Podcast. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too. We'll talk with you soon. There you go. You know what I always think about these microphones? I always think that there's a rap star has been mouthing on this thing before yeah. I got it. <laughs> you know how they just about eat them? Right. And I'm getting somebody's leftovers. Anyway. All right, everybody. Hello, everyone. All right, Stephen, take it away, man. All right. Welcome to the uh, the comics panel here at Nerdtacular 2014. I'm Stephen Schleicher. I run a website called Majorspoilers.com where we talk about comic books and pop culture and all sorts of geeky stuff. Yay. And occasionally we get to run into some very cool comic creators. So the goal of this panel is um, really kind of free flow. We can talk about anything that you guys want to talk about. Uh, but ideally, we want to look at... How do you get into it? What are some things that you want to consider if you're trying to work for a comic book publisher? You know, a couple of our people up here have worked for comic book publishers. What happens if you want to self-publish? What happens if you want to just work in webcomics? So that's what we're going to talk about for the next hour. And so we're going to go through and we're going to introduce our panelists. And what I'm going to do is just uh, give their name and then they can talk a little bit. Uh, what I want you guys to do is tell us what you're most known for. Okay. And what made you want to get into comics? So why don't we start right here to my right with Adriana Ferguson, who does Minor Acts of Heroism. Welcome. Hey. So uh, So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into comics? Um, I got into comics, I think my older brother and my dad were into comic books. Uh, they were more like Marvel guys. And then like in 1989, uh, like the Batman movie came out. And I was like, oh my God. It's like that period of time was really like, like, would you like to be into comics? It's like, just here's Batman movie and here's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just like, uh, yes. And then the Batman animated series and stuff. Um, I just, I, I really wanted to, to draw and uh, tell stories, okay. and I, I think that just has has been what. Like comic books are like mm -hmm. drawing and telling stories. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, what was the other question? Well, I, I got, I'll have another real quick one for you okay. in just a second, okay. but you can be thinking about it because you kind of cross over between print, web, and yes. uh, electronic. So okay. we'll come back to you in just a moment. All right. Next up, we have Howard Porter. Hey. Howard. Hey. Good to see you. How I got into comics? Yeah, how did you get into comics? Oh, right. I mean, a lot of people know you from Flash, yeah. Justice League, um, yeah. a lot of DC comics. Uh, Jeff Johns stuff. Yeah. 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 Worked yep. with Jeff Johns. <laughs> Fantastic Four. Yeah, um, Fantastic Four, yeah. It started uh, really young. Um, uh, probably elementary school, I would ride the school bus reading. I had to bring a couple comics on the bus with me. And the bus driver said, "Hey, would you like to trade some comics so you know we can get a deal going on here?" And I'm like, that "Okay." That sounds seedy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> so I'm like, "Yeah," and um, I would give him a couple of books, and he would give me a whole shopping bag full of 
comic books, and I'm like, this is the best bus driver ever. <laughs> so that's probably where it started. And um, I lived out in the country, so there wasn't many people, kids around for me to play with. That was my escapism, and and uh, that's that's where it okay. all began. Brian, excellent, great, thank you for coming. Uh, Brian Dunaway, comics coast to coast, yeah. comics coast to coast. Those who try to get into comics and uh, fail. Uh, do podcast about comics, and that's what we do. Uh, I got one of my co-hosts up here with me, Joel Duggan. He'll be talking just in a few minutes, talking about his experiences on comics coast to coast. Uh, it's, it's odd. I hadn't thought about when I started reading comics when I was a kid, uh, but I, I do remember one of my aunts. Uh, she had brought me a trash bag full of just a variety of of, of comic books, and uh, and it was just amazing. Opened my eyes to that whole world. Also, who just walked in the door is uh, Matthew Descharm. He's my other. Uh, co-host on Comics Coast to Coast, and we'll be doing a show after this too. We'll be doing a, where's it at? The Superior Room? No idea. Superior Room. Right after <laughs> this, we're doing the Superior I just Room. Just down here. I have no idea. But uh, yeah, I, I sh- my whole life has been full of uh, either animation, comic books, uh, and it's been a dream of mine to talk to a lot of my heroes. And Comics Coast to Coast has allowed me to do just that. And I think my favorite that I ever talked to uh, was the creator of Rocco's Modern Life, Joe Murray. I got a chance to talk to that guy, and he's He's insane, but uh, he's he's a he's a fun guy. That's 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 me, man. Excellent, cool. Now next we have Scott Johnson. I don't know if people know much about this guy. <laughs> he does this web comic called uh, Extra Life. Yeah. So what's this all 13 about? Thirteen years of Extra Life. Um, yeah, it's been around a while. So I have been doing that comic for thirteen years consistently. It's still there, still happening. It has a good following, and I love doing it. I have a lot of passion for it still. Um, there are a lot of things that sort of led up to that, but my passion for all this started when I was very young. I drew all the time. Um, in fact, there's a very uh, specific moment when I was r- very young when my mother and father saw me draw Bert and Ernie on a chalkboard. <laughs> and it probably wasn't very good. My only memory of it, though, is that they said, wow, that's really good. You should right. keep doing that. Oh. And I remember at that moment going... Yeah, I, approval. I could do yeah. this. Yeah. And it probably sucked because, you know, your parents, good parents tell you to they encourage you to do things, right? So that was a big deal for me. And I remember that very specific experience. The only two things I remember from being that age, that and swallowing a quarter once. And that was real bad. <laughs> that was a grim scene when that happened. Um, but ever since then, it's almost all I've cared about. When I was a kid, if I didn't have a pen in my hand or a tape recorder in my hand, I wasn't happy. So... Now that's all I do. And it's nice to be able to kind of do what you do when you're a kid. But the art side has always been a really special thing for me, and it's always been a thing that I've been able to fall back on, rely on, makes a, uh, you know, can make you a living, but also it just provides such a great outlet for, for creativity. And that's involved you know, passion for comic books and strips. And you know, Calvin and Hobbes was like an idol for, for me and many of us. Um, so these things all sort of accumulated to... to basically make it so I didn't want to do anything else. And uh, art has a huge part of that. And I am a giant fan of Howard's work, so I'm oh, stoked yeah. he's on this thing. But anyway, that's me, Stephen. Oh, and I run Nerdtacular. Oh, Nerdtacular. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nerdtacular. And our final panelist today is Joel Duggan. Uh, you may know him from the webcomic Starcrossed, also co-host of Comics Coast to Coast. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so I've been drawing Starcrossed for almost four years now. Uh, it's a 
approximately a weekly comic. I try to keep up as best I can. Uh, but uh, the thing that drove me to web comics was a deep love in my kind of teenage and college years of the comic strip format and the, the storytelling, the joke telling, and the character development that you could achieve through strip cartooning. Um, Scott stole my Calvin and Hobbes story. We all have one, We run into this on Comics Coast to Coast all the time because everybody mentions Bill Watterson, and it sort of seems cliche, but we are the generation that was you know, between 15 and 20 when he was huge. And you can't not mention him in terms of your you know, lifelong influences, but I'll build on that and say also Frank Cho from Liberty Meadows mm-hmm. uh, was a huge influence, not only in just his writing because he was off the wall and pushing editor's limits and stuff, but also in his artwork, which is just incredible penmanship. And that's something that I try to bring to my webcomic. It's not just the storytelling and and the um, the character development and the jokes, but I, re- I really enjoy crafting a nice comic. Uh, and I still, for the most part, draw on paper. So that's kind of where my passion lies, is, is the, the craft of it. All right, Grandpa. That's right. <laughs> so, Never. So thank you, panelists, for being here today. I guess I'm, I'm going to jump really quick over to Howard real quick, because I know a lot of times um, people will come up and say, man, I just want to draw Batman. How do I work for DC Comics? Or, oh, I, want to, I really know how to draw Wolverine. I need to work for Marvel. Tell me, how, what, give me an in for, for getting in there and, and drawing for these companies. <clears throat> Well, it's changed a lot since when I got in. Right. There was no internet back then, but um, I, I would say go to the conventions. There's tons of conventions all over the place, and they'll uh, go to the ones that have the Marvel and DC booths there, and they'll have an editor or two there that will review portfolios and and, um, and keep trying to get your face out in front of these people and, and get feedback and, and show them that you're taking what the... the um, Advice they give you, and, and you're applying it, and and that's that's one way. Or the other way is you can you could put out your own book and, and kick butt on that and get that in front of editors. Um, so that's basically. Well, let me ask you this. So, so let's say I'm 13 years on with the extra life, and I can show audience numbers and that kind of stuff. Is that valuable to editors if I took that to them and said, hey, I want I want Image to publish me or whatever. I've had this comic for so long. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you have a following, yeah, they'll definitely be interested in that. And, and plus the quality is great and well, but I think too, though it's, it's, I think it's so. not just them showing up with paper anymore. Is I guess what I'm getting at, right? It can you have other factors that play in. It isn't just discovering some kid and his portfolio. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have other things behind it, momentum from an audience or something that might help yeah, you. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a reason that My Chemical Romance guy. They're like whatever, but then he yeah, became that My Chemical Romance guy. And they're like, yes, please write any comic you want. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, whatever you want. Well, I think there's a guy Jeff Lemire now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very popular, and mm-hmm. he started out. Putting on his own stuff, mm-hmm. right? And um, now DC he's doing DC, yeah. he's doing Swamp Thing <laughs> and a bunch yeah. of other stuff. So I guess the thing that I was getting at is, how realistic is it to say, I'm coming out of wherever, I've got the portfolio that I think is really strong. What are the chances of me going to work for the big two as opposed to maybe going to Image or to Boom or to Dynamite or to wherever else, and and maybe uh, starting there. Um, what are the um, if your stuff is really good it'll speak for itself and your chances is, are, are great mm-hmm. um, um, if you can get seen by the editors um, 
but uh, is, but is, is it a, that easy, Adriana? Do you think? Uh, I think there's a lot of determining factors. Um, I would say that one thing is. I think you'd agree that like DC and Marvel have a certain house style. Like if yeah, if uh, um, Brian Lee O'Malley, who did Scott Pilgrim, had come to them like, "I want to draw Spider-Man," right. they'd be like, "No." <laughs> now they'd be like, "Oh, please, yes." And now he like he's done like a cover for Young Avengers and stuff now, and now it's like cool because he's like this indie artist that is like really famous and stuff. So again, uh, street cred and not street cred, word That's of good. mouth word and of mouth popularity, popularity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. has a big thing to do with. It, but you also have to have a style that um, meshes well with that superhero thing, and um, which can can be kind of uh, I would say um, a barrier to a lot of, um, for example, like female artists mm-hmm. um, uh, are tend to be influenced by different uh, things. Uh, you could maybe say more like animation. Uh, people that are influenced more by animation have a harder time getting into the big two. For example, um, Sanford Green, who has worked for the big two, but he mostly, like, because of his animation type style, like is like put on books that are more for kids. Like, let's say the... Um, uh, anim- the, ver- the comic book version of an animated show mm-hmm. like the Teen Titans yeah, comic Teen Titans or, or Young Justice comic or something they're like you work on this um, as opposed to putting them on on Spider-Man and DC's like we don't actually make Spider-Man Sanford <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah and, and even Frank Cho I think if he didn't have like that hardcore following behind him he might have had like a harder time getting in because his style's a little uh, off the beaten path. But he does like a totally solid job on Avengers and everything now. Like he totally like if you look at it, it's like oh yeah, totally he fits right in. But I can see if you're an editor, you're like what is with all these like little weird cartoon animals and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like no, I don't. Well, I mean so we should... so we give we live in this time where and this is. Where you know where my feet are firmly planted is in a space where things change really drastically about 1995 or 1996, where suddenly my old idea of syndicating comics or sending things to publishers or even just magazines or whatever, yeah. this is a drastic change because the way it used to work was send your stuff to somebody, have it rejected because the way it worked was there's this tiny little gateway and about a thousand people outside the gate trying to get in and one dude with a key. And that's just the way it was. It's true of TV, radio, and everything else. Maybe that's why I like all of these areas to focus in with with frog pants, because they all were under the same kinds of restrictions. Um, You either had to know somebody, get extremely lucky, or get 50,000 rejection letters before something slipped in. Today, and what occurred to me in the late 90s was, whoa, you can just make this now. You can put it up with a little just rudimentary skill with the web, and you can build your own audience over time and build your own recognition, and sometimes that recognition goes so far that you're making Axe Cop with your little brother, and before you know it, you got an Axe Cop TV series. Right, right. Um, and that is a pretty special property, but I guarantee you that thing's not going over some editor's desk and getting approved in the traditional way. Right. So this is a wonderful time. A lot of people, they complain because they think we're in a sea of mediocrity, and it's really hard to tell what's any good anymore because everybody's doing it, and so therefore there's a lot of junk, and that's... I guess true in some ways, but 
I'm really glad that I've got something that I do that may not be in the, let's say, the 80s would not have been up to snuff for the powers that be then, but it's up to snuff for an audience now that I can go get, I can have, and I can curate and, and help and build. So I say, screw the old way, welcome the new way. And the new way is the way, whether people like it or not. I mean, it used to be syndicated comics where the, that's all you wanted in yeah. life. I want to be syndicated in every paper in this country. Yeah. Guess what I want right now? Not that. Yeah, I, I, I don't actually, want that. I, I know exactly how you feel. Like earlier this year, I actually submitted Starcross to my local paper, and it really? was a contest where the prize was you get published for 10 weeks in the newspaper. And there were some other prizes too, like a MacBook and stuff like that. And I just thought, well, whatever. It's a good excuse to draw Starcross in color, do like a Sunday, different format, different challenge. And I got into the finals, and I started to think, I don't know if I really want to do this. Like, I want the MacBook, but I don't yeah. really know if I want to be in the paper. And I mean, if you want to see, and if you want to see and hear really good discussions on traditional syndication for comic strips versus web comics, watch Stripped yes. yeah. by Dave Kellett. Uh, really good. Who, who here has seen that? Yeah, has anybody seen that? It's a really good interview. Yeah. You guys should watch I mean, it. it's only like fourteen ninety nine on iTunes, but do yourself a favor and go to their website and download the extended interviews. There's something like thirty hours of the full interviews with most of the creators. You can do a la carte, two to three bucks a piece, or you can just do like twenty, thirty dollars and download them all. And are they the first people in a long time they even get sent, uh, Bill Watterson to say anything? Yeah, yeah. 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 Bill Watterson's first cartoon in twenty years was the poster for the strip. It's crazy. And then he did a phone interview with Dave. And then they've got like several, like lots of people. They've got the guy that made Luann. They've got Bill Amon. They've got lots of Burke Breathed. Burke Breathed. Breath they got the old hats, and then they got like Daniel Corsetto and Penny um, Arcade guy Scott Kurtz. Uh, Scott Kurtz. Yeah, yeah. Scott Kurtz. Yeah. Uh, Pearls Before Swine. What's his name? Uh, right. Uh, Stephen Pastis. Stephen Pastis. And yeah. He just had. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he just swapped some artwork with uh, Bill Watterson. Stephen yes. Pastis did. Yeah. <laughs> Which is in a weird way is a. It's weird. The godfather of the old successful model yeah. sneaking into the new one. That's insane. Yeah, that didn't, didn't even cool say thing. anything about it, right? It's so cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. Was that the movie that showed um, how big celebrities, uh, like the, the guy who did uh, Dennis the Menace was back in the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it would go on late night with John, Johnny Carson. Yeah, they'd oh, show yeah. up on talk shows and big stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So then what is then, so there's really very little barrier of entry for anybody who wants to work in an electronic world. Hmm. So what's then the, the key then to build that audience? Make good stuff. Nah. Yeah. Right? I, it's, it's, it sounds silly, but I mean, if you, if you build it, they will come. I can, I can think of a million different cliches, but I, I feel like all the success that I see, it's never going to be Twitter. It's never going to be, you know, how much you're marketing your comic or, you know, uh, different kind of opportunities or, or podcast interviews, it's going to be that you are consistently making stuff that people yeah. like. All that other stuff will support that, yeah. but you and, gotta have that. And it, and it has to be something that you like, too. I mean, like, if you you can make a comic about feet for all I care, and that there's people out there, there's enough people in the world... You Quentin would Tarantino would read that comic. There you go. <laughs> there's enough people, I mean, it's a horrible example, but there's, there's enough people out there that you'll find your niche. I mean, like, I've got a friend that listens to knitting podcasts. What? <laughs> you know? But they exist for a reason, because there's a lot of knitters out there that like that kind of stuff. Well, and- I, I would say that, like, okay, quality is really important. Mm-hmm. It is really important, because when I see people, it's like, my comic's not doing well. Do you have any... Like, well, are, work, work on it, one. Do some more work. 
and um, but part of that work is um, knowing uh, where to get nine for example uh, one of my friends has this uh, webcomic called uh, Vibe and he's an awesome artist he's really great and uh, it's like if I show this to you you'd be like this this guy's great this comic should be extremely popular and uh, there's this, this site called Smack Jeeves and uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of it but it um it is literally for web comics, and some people are kind of iffy about um, putting their art on a site that's for web comics. And like, it's what I mean by for web comics is like they'll host your web comic for you, and it's really for people that don't know anything about programming. And if you do know anything about programming, you can mess with it. It's nice. But the most important thing, and I was actually the same th- same thing. I was like, uh, Kristen, my co-creator. Um, I don't want to. I want. I want us to have our own site with our own. St- I don't want to be tied to like some other like deviant art type thing. Um, but what it turned out is that the people on that site, all they want to do is read web comics. Like that's what they they are there for. They're they want new web comics. They're addicted. They're hungry. They want it. And uh, so it was like actually very smart for us to um, have this platform where there's just a, literally a built-in audience for it. And I think, uh, and so I told the same story. My like, mom's not bored. She just has to go. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point that out. Sorry, Bye, continue. Um, I told this, this same story to um, my friend with his Vibe comic, and and he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, listen, I was you. Listen to me. And he was, and he came back to me later. He was like, you were absolutely right. And so like, what's the site again? Uh, Smack Jeeves. Smack Jeeves. It's a very strange okay. name for it. But mm-hmm. if you're thinking about starting a webcomic, I, I honestly rec- highly recommend them. They have uh, like built-in audience, built-in comment system, uh, listening to feedback, and being aware of what... And by, part of uh, working hard is actually doing research and actually trying to understand um, what people are what people are doing right. Like if there's a comic that you really like, what are they doing right? I don't mean copy their comic. I mean, what about it is great? Is it the art? Is it how they lay out their jokes? Is it a combination of those things? Is facial expressions? Um, stuff like that. Uh, I had a professor once. I'm like, I'm really bad at writing papers, professor. I'm really sorry. This is, I, don't, I don't know why this is such a bad paper. He's like, you know, you get better at writing by reading good things, uh, which is true. And I think I write a lot better now, now that I'm out of college. <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter. But uh, I think I'm a lot better writer now because, you know, I try to really read better things and understand like what about them is successful mm-hmm. what so, are you reading I want to know uh, give us something uh, is it, oh don't put me on the spot my mind you're on the spot uh, what am I reading I, I like Kieran Gillen's work uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he like recently did like uh, volume 2 of Young Avengers for example right. and he did um, Journey in uh, maybe <laughs> he d- did like young, uh, like uh a long stint with um, Journey into Mystery mm-hmm. with Baby Loki, and I thought it was like mind-blowingly good. Um, I, I'm, I'm really bad to ask about like what's what's good, but like try to try to understand like what about those comics and stuff like appeals to you. Um, 
and uh, what is is makes them them good to you. And you have sure. weird anomalies sometimes, like you know, XKCD is enormously popular. Right. Probably the most popular comic on the web. That and the oatmeal fight all the time for top spot. But the they, stick figures, come on, Scott. yeah, and they have they have a they have a thing in common, which is they're especially XKCD, this totally crude stick pick, uh, figures. It doesn't matter because what he is making is resonating with people. It's the writing. Mm -hmm. And it's resonating with a very specific audience and it's made huge success for himself. And I would say the oatmeal is in the same kind of boat. There, but there's, there's artwork that's there and it's happening. It's weird and it's kind of unique or whatever. But really it's what he's saying and that again is resonating with a huge audience. So there's this weird combination of not sure how much to put on one side of the scale or the other of let's make something really high quality. Well, what does that mean? To me, it might be how good is my color and shading work. To you, it might be how good your ink. Mm -hmm. To him, it might be something totally different. And it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're not reaching somebody somehow with what you're either saying or how you're showing it. You're going to have a slow go of it. And that doesn't mean you can't focus in on a niche. That's one of the beauties of this is that I can say, well, I want to make a comic about... For a while there, I did a little short thing called The Bigfoot Diaries. I don't know if yeah. anyone remembers that. Yeah. Remember that. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> I read it. Uh, I really enjoyed doing that. I made, I made mostly ran out of time because of how much time it was taking me to do. But that's a very niche little thing that would have found an audience that just, for whatever reason, that, that clicked with them. But it was probably not going to be the next, you know... Penny Arcade or anything. There, there's no chance of that. But Extra Life has got a, a bigger volume than that, and then there are people I know who've, who've got more than that. And well, why is that? It's a combination of things. How you market it, where you put it. It's now getting to the point where it doesn't matter anymore where your comics are posted. I don't know. Start a Tumblr page. I know Tumblr comic artists who are making bank and have millions of views, and they're just putting it on Tumblr. Mm -hmm. So there's these days of like, well, you got to have a proper website. It better have a real email and. You know, like we're trying to be a bunch of businessmen in suits. It's kind of that's kind of just becoming all nebulous. People are just consuming it. I'm on my phone. Where did it come from? Don't care. It was funny, and I saw it, and I shared it with 100 people, and they shared it with 100 more. And before you know it, it's all over the place. I'm coming to grips with that now. That that is the way things are changing, and I have to be ready to accept the fact that what what made for comic. Uh, webcomic, digital comic success in 2002 may not be what makes it a success in 2014. Being well, willing to be flexible that way is important. There's something else, too. Not only do you need to be good, you need to do research and have the platform, but there's one other thing, Scott, that I think is important with, with comics, webcomics or otherwise, is consistency, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was... I can only point to a couple of weeks in maybe 2004 where there wasn't a comic on Extra Life. And there have been times where there's sometimes more a week, but there's always been at least a comic a week was always my promise. And I think that's crucial, is to be consistent. I, I, I say that knowing I haven't recorded any podcast this week for this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I would say that, well, you know, you haven't recorded any podcast this week. And um, I had um, a famous uh, comic book, webcomic person, creator, come up to me at a convention and... Um, tried to like do a mentor thing with me and almost killed him and uh, he Names. was like I'm, no I'm not gonna Come on. This, is, this is being recorded if it, it wasn't totally. I'll tell you later and uh, so they came up just off they came, the ice. they came up and they were like this is really good but you know like you had to be really consistent and stuff and I saw there wasn't an update and, you know like there wasn't an update because we me and my co-creator were working conventions and 
we like being consistent because we think in practical terms it's good because um, then your comic will get done in, in that kind of sense like so that you won't be putting it off too much but if you have a good product your fans will forgive it like our fans are extremely understanding I, I do know that like I have some friends they have comics and they, they have really intense and aggressive fans but I think it's important to like cultivate try and cultivate um, a fan base that understands that like when you get sick you got sick and it's okay and uh, like when if you have to take a break you know things happen but um, part of that's just communicating right yeah 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 we try to like update them we tell we post like for example like I'm not we're not updating like while I'm at this convention if you look at the site right now there's a little picture saying hey we're sorry there's not gonna be update this is when we're we're gonna be back uh, communication is is very really important but like uh, if you if you put pump out a good product, like people will stick behind you. You know, uh, Calvin and Hobbes, like like the guy just like materialized out of nowhere to like do an interview and do like little comics for that one book. Like and the whole like, world freaks out. Yeah, it's like yeah. what? Yeah. Like people will people will be understanding, and you want to what's the word like? Um. I, I don't. I don't think it's it's good for fans to uh, feel like they can be like rude and aggressive to you. Like, uh, so I, I appreciate like our, all our fans are like, that's okay. We hope you feel better, something like that. Like we understand. So, and I th- I think it's important that like you know if if someone is like losing their mind about you being sick or something you like you know what that's okay you just be mad well let's let's ask brian dunaway yes sir you you've taken some time off between comics a lot (laughs) a whole lot of time is is that is that stuff that it's because it's you've got other things going on you've other commitments right right absolutely um podcasting is not due for a living i i program for a living so uh, so real quick how many right. of you? How many of you have other jobs besides your web comics or your comics that you guys do? Just show your raise Are your you hand. You counting podcasting? Uh, podcasting, sure, Scott. Can you call being a yeah. husband? A right, that's a job. Yeah, husband's <laughs> a job. Father's a job. Right. I mean, everybody has another job. You're a programmer. Adriana works at a at a. a um, I do character, character design for a yeah. video game company. Video game company. And, and as I far do as freelance. <laughs> right. And as far as the 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 break that I took in between uh, the comics, which just it life happened, uh, but I don't think I really got as much blowback. If if I was writing a story that uh, was developing characters to a degree of like something George R. R. Martin would do, where he would be totally invested into the characters, I think people would probably be a little more aggressive. Uh, but with a humor strip, I think people are forgiving. You know, they, I, they, Brian made me laugh, but it's okay. He didn't leave me hanging. You know, I'll wait for him to come make me laugh again. Mm-hmm. Well, these are self-imposed deadlines. I wonder for sure. you, Howard. I, I can't. I have no leeway. That doesn't None. exist, does it? It has to come out a certain day each month. Yeah. Right? Or else the book becomes returnable. And, and how uh, much of that is like, let's use Jeff Johns as an example. How much of that is is him knocking on your door going, dude, how are we doing? Or is it <laughs> well, something else? He, he, uh, he, I worked with him as a writer. It would be an editor who would do that. Um, and they would call me up and say... Um, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be good, but it has to be done. Yeah. And, and you'll find yourself 
having to push through the motions of big pots of coffee uh, to, to make deadlines, and uh, and it's not a good feeling to not be able to look at the work that you've put out. And if somebody brings up something to sign, it makes you ill to look at. <laughs> yeah. But you've also this. had you've also taken some breaks from being an artist, right? That was that was one reason why I took my just because yeah. of the deadline pressures. Yeah, I, I saw where I was going. I was on the JLA book and. Um, after four years or so, I saw where it was going, and my life was just <laughs> flying by me. I was trapped in a room all day, 16 hours, and I wanted a 9-to-5 job mm-hmm. and to see have friends and, mm-hmm. and okay. see my family. So, yeah, I left for two and a half years. I, I think that's unconscionable, honestly. Yeah. I, don't, I can't believe they... But it happens a no, lot. No, no I mean, that's, that, that's that the speed is, of business, right? That is, <laughs> unfortunately, that is literally how the, United, the, the American comic book system works. Other countries... Not like that. Um, like, don't have this kind of like workhorse treatment of their artists. That you know, you're working for less than minimum wage, like long, ridiculous hours. You have to pump out the books um, on top of like no health care and stuff and little to no support. Sorry, but but it's it's. I think it's. It was it's, a lot on me though, Michael. I I should have said no, get somebody else, which I've learned. It took me. 15, 20 years to, to, to get there. I, I don't think they should be allowed to ask that of someone. Yeah. Personally, I I, I uh, well I, in, I, in a perfect world, yes, but it, you know but if you're in other DC, con- you know other countries they well, don't. Well, do I'm that. not saying they're not doing it better, but I'm saying if you're Joe Casado at Marvel and he says to you, you got to have this, and you say you can't, well, okay, I got a, I got a fleet of other artists who are going to do it. I know, but what should happen is there should be a head artist, yeah. there should be assistants, mm-hmm. they should be paying. I totally way agree. More. Yeah, totally agree. Like you, you shouldn't, you yeah. shouldn't, yeah, yeah, you like you shouldn't be like. Treating people like this, like, and, and I, I know that like people want their monthly book, right? And you should get your monthly book, but you know, there are better ways to do it. You, well, but there's sometimes. I mean, people. there are some. And you're talking about other countries. I mean, uh, if you've read some comics from uh, France, uh, from yeah. uh, Belgium, exactly. you know, like uh, Asterix Comics comes out like once a year, or once every five yeah. years, and people it's a piece of art. Up or, it's a big, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. a Black Sad. If you've ever read Black Sad, is another example where it's like three or four years between volumes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's it's you know there are some some benefits, and maybe for those, and maybe that's a, a big benefit for working on the web comic side is you guys yeah. get to produce when you want to produce right. at your own time and you reap the reap the reward completely yourself absolutely i just want to say now things have changed i work with the editor I, and I, I voice hey i'm getting things are getting tight can we get some help here and mm-hmm. and uh, something it took me a long time to learn to, what to brought do. you back in um was there something was there just a desire to say uh, i yeah, want to do yeah, this was, again or was there was a phone working, call from somebody no, that, no not really i was uh working at a bank in a, a, a cubicle and and all I had to do was go to meetings, and I was doing nothing, and just eating and going to meetings. And it was great for a couple of years, but then I, I felt compelled. I felt like I have to make things. I have to mm-hmm. create things, or I feel like I'm wasting my time. So, so uh, that's got back in. Yeah, I got back in. Joel, what drives you every day to sit down or and create? Rent. Rent. <laughs> Rent. Rent is a very good. That's it. Uh, no, seriously, I'm. Um, I, I can really lose myself in creating a comic. I, I, I tend to write all the time, like I write little things down here and there, uh, and I turn them into comics later, but when it comes to penciling and inking the comic, like I can lose afternoons. Uh, I always find myself more relaxed after. I feel 
fulfilled when I post it online and I enjoy it, others are enjoying it, I'm sharing a laugh with, with readers, um, that's the kind of thing that, that pushes me forward is definitely just being able to create something and share it with people is the, just the be-all, end-all of webcomics for me. I get posters remorse. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what I'll do is I'll work on something I'm really proud of or like while I'm making it or whatever. I'll post it and then I'm like, Ugh, I don't like how I did mm -hmm. that or whatever. And it usually takes me maybe sometimes a year <laughs> But sometimes yeah. only a couple of weeks, and I'll look back and go, eh, it's all right. Or I'll look at something really old that I thought I hated yeah, exactly. and go, oh, my gosh, that's totally funny. What was I thinking? Yeah. Why did I hate that so much? So I don't know what that is or why I do that, but I wish that wasn't there because it's frustrating to do all that work, mm -hmm. put your guts into it, and then go, meh. Right. Brian, you know? what about you? It's, about you? it's the hardest work. thing with, with digital work, too, especially because some of, some of my stuff is digital. I still have to scan in my drawings. It's the hardest thing to just, you know, as I inked it, that's how it goes up. I, right. I can't spend three hours fixing <laughs> eyelashes and stuff like that. And, and Or old work. I mean, you go to put a book together, and you're looking from strips from, like, three years ago, and you're like, oh, God, I have to put this in a book? Yeah, I know. That part <laughs> I hate. It, it's hard. It's hard to kind of move forward. But I, I found that um, some solace is that some... Um, readers and fans like to see the progression of your work like they like to see how you started and how you've grown and so like so leave that stuff out yeah you know, I guess. It out let it see what happens yeah usually people like the stuff i hate the most so i gotta quit doing that <laughs> howard i have a, qu a quick question just as a follow-up to the way the culture works now in comic books by, by the what by just the way the culture works in okay. comic books today versus maybe 10 20 years ago okay so are are the days gone where Todd McFarlane never sees a dime for making Venom, or Jerry Conway never gets credit for The Punisher, or go all the way back to the Stanley oh, days if you want? Create, is like it creator -owned. is creator-owned stuff? Is that getting better, or is it the very least, even if Marvel or somebody owns it, is it getting better in terms of you know good pay for good work? You know what I mean? Like well, DC just DC just sent an email out to creators this past week talking about changes and how they are going to. Um, pay on royalties and those right. kinds of things. Can you talk about that? Uh, well, the, the best thing about I think it's fantastic what they did was now they're going to include colorists in with the royalties and, and give them cover credit. Nice. So I think it's about it's about time that those guys are tremendous artists and can make and break books. They, they really like it kills yeah. me. Like if I see, I, I can see like the worst art colored like really beautifully, and it's like. Man, this artist is like a lot. This penciler's a lot better than I thought yeah, it, yeah. thought they are. Or the opposite, you know. No, absolutely, make break, make or break. But going back to Scott's question, is there are there more creator creator rights now? I mean, the biggest thing going on right now uh, is the uh, Jack Kirby estate versus Marvel that's now up for the Supreme Court to decide oh, if they want to hear it. Right, because that was work for hire back then. Right, so mm -hmm. just giving it away. Um, well, the big two have uh, their. Uh, two lines of um, creator-owned books where the creators get all of the rights to the characters. Um, uh, I think Vertigo now, mm -hmm. maybe. And uh, I'm not sure the Icon. Marvel and Icon. Yeah. yeah. So that's great, I think. Um, but if you're creating uh, a character for a book that's already coming out, um, you get equity in the character. Um, I don't know if you'll see anything will ever pay off, but... Uh, um, you might get some free action figures at some time, <laughs> which you, is pretty cool. Yeah. Do you think that that might equate to like DC, like editorially speaking, like maybe not letting Joe Bob like create so many characters? 
Because I, I read know. a new writer, and then they come out, they're like, okay, now Superman's going to have this whole team of villains right. where he's got to fight. Oh, which is you like, mean like just limit them and say, hey, hold, one really cool, iconic character at a time, please, that kind of thing? I, I don't know, because like, on the one side, I'm like, yeah, I would like to see fewer characters. But on the other side, I did like Camper's creativity. And that's kind of like a standard of like writing for comics. Like, new writer, what am I going to do? Like, make some new villains for Spider-Man to punch. Like, that's kind of standard writing yeah, on like right. you start a new book like you're going to make new characters I do know of some people who've come up with characters that became pretty popular and have appeared in video games and they get a nice size check mm-hmm. oh, nice. Uh, once a year or something so it does exist if you're lucky mm-hmm. so you think guys like Jim Lee are actually influencing uh, over there at DC that kind of uh, getting that culture more in a place where the artists and the creators are being better get- treated it could be, you know, he's a. I mean, he's the guy. Awesome artist himself. So he, he left with with McFarlane and right, right. established what it means to be an independent company, and then came back, and then it just seems like he would still have some of that spirit with him, you know. I don't know, officially out, mm-hmm. but yeah, he since he's there and this this letter that you're talking about mm-hmm. seemed really great for uh, creators. Yeah, because it came from it came from both. Uh, Jim Lee and uh, yeah. Dan DiDio, so yeah, I was happy to read that. Yeah, so. good. good. It also makes sense. Comic nerd talk is awesome, isn't it? I freaking love it. <laughs> it makes sense. Like you want to attract like better writers and creators to like come work for you, but if you tell them like uh, you're not gonna get anything for making Venom Five or whatever. Yeah. So let me ask you this, and we'll just kind of. Um, Kind of wrap up because I want to make sure that we have plenty of time for question and answers from the from the audience. What is everyone's thoughts on having your works distributed through Comicsology? And I know not all of you do that. A couple of you have had your works distributed through there. But what are your thoughts on Comicsology and how how they run as a business? Adriana, you do that with Minor Acts of Heroism. Yeah, uh, it's been great for us. Um, Comicsology loves us. It was uh, honestly like. It was a long like, time trying to get in first, It right? was, at first, like, they were kind of, I just imagine, like, you would, they had a submission process, but kind of almost not, mm-hmm. and we would submit, and we submit, and I think you, like, you're like, hey, have you ever tried submitting your thing to Comixology? And I sent back, like, a really, like, dark <laughs> reply, like, we've tried for two years or but, something. But now they've changed. I mean, their submit process is actually a lot more streamlined. Okay. See, I'm not sure where this, what happened, but... Um, so they restructured, mm-hmm. and I think that's when you emailed me yeah. going, hey, they restructured, maybe you want to try it again. I was like, okay. We tried it again. But also, when we tried it again, we were like, these are our numbers. Like, These are like the amount of fans that we have. And we got a response way quicker. Ah, okay. And But the response was like, we're restructuring it, we're going to make our submission process like way better. So they mm-hmm. actually... The submission process before was, I think, you send an email into yeah, the yeah, ether. ether. Yeah, yeah. And now they actually have a upload system and all that. They actually have like back ends for it, and it's it's been great for us. You know, you get a check every every now and then um, when you sell past a certain amount, and they've been very supportive. They've been uh, uh, pushing us and promoting us. Good. Uh, they promote us like with you know. You can do like a 99 cent sale or, or like mm-hmm. give it away for free. To like, and it's been nothing but beneficial. It's a, it's a really good uh, uh, venue. I, I really don't. There's not really a downside to it, in my opinion. Good, Howard. 
I, I absolutely love it as a fan and as mm-hmm. a creator because uh, once those things are up there, they're there forever. Yeah. How do you think of your work being able to where we can now zoom super far in and see uh, the detail? Uh, is that something I that you like? I think it should be zoomed out, right. not in, <laughs> in my work. Don't we? Um, oh, oh, yes, I would love to be on Comixology, but I don't believe Howard was finished. Oh, sorry. No, no, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, so... I'm curious, what do you guys think about Comixology? Are we creating another syndicate? I mean, will it ev- could it eventually evolve into that? Well, there's always going to be platforms, right? Right. So this will be my opinion about Comixology also. See how I did that? I mean, answer good. your question and very do good. the thing. Um, <laughs> how to run a panel, everybody. Uh, no, what was I going to say? So I was going to say this. If, if Comixology represents another platform, and it turns out it's a very artist and creator-friendly p- platform, which is good. Right. Um, it's like app developers on iOS App Store or on Google Play or something. They are motivated to create an ecosystem that supports you as a creator. Right. And because they do that, because that's where their bread is buttered, they are going to make all efforts to do that. So I'm all for this. I'm all for platforms. I don't have a problem with the fact that they may become dominant and some that nobody else can seem to compete. I like competition. That will drive them to do better, so I'm not saying we shouldn't have any, but at some point, it's just too easy to say, I'll just do this all myself. Well, right. okay. Or you could latch on to something that made you some money. I mean, the truth is, we're all hosting our web comics on our websites anyway. We're paying some hard, some third-party host to do that. Mm. What's the difference than paying a cut to Comixology for having a big, visible platform where people can get your comic easily? So I do not bristle at these things. I think they're great. And Comixology, as a fan and reader, gives me a wonderful experience. Forget about all that. I'm still irritated about the iOS store, Amazon thing. Forget about that. But outside of that, um, I'm kind of over that now. And it's been uh, this just wonderful reading and cons- consumption ex- experience. And I've, I've got projects I'm eyeing to put there. And why wouldn't you? And why wouldn't you try every platform? Why wouldn't you try to get your stuff as many places as you can? It's the people who try to limit it to one place. Absolutely. And then they get hosed because the one place either doesn't have the eyeballs or you just missed out on opportunities. So mm-hmm. yay to comicsology. Joel? I pretty much a ditto, but, but with a question that, I mean, I can see a lot of uh, narrative comics, you know, comic books, superhero stuff, uh, indie comics and comicsology. I read a lot. Uh, but I don't see, and I haven't really looked for any comic strips. And if you're dealing with such small, bite-sized pieces of content that is also available on a website that is at the moment arguably faster to get to than Comixology, I don't know how much I would benefit from being on Comixology. Not that I wouldn't want to be there, because, like Scott said, the more eyeballs on your work, the better. Because I mean, I I don't really make much money from Starcrossed itself. I I get eyeballs, and then people order commissions or sure. hire me to do other things. It's kind of like it's almost like a lost leader advertising platform for me. That's just really fun to do. Um, but I I mean like. It's a lot like podcasts. Now that you mentioned that, yeah. if we do a, if I did a five minute a day podcast, I'm not saying I'm gonna, but if I did, <laughs> there is a there is a huge amount of work. There's almost the same amount of work minus a few sort of export times and things for me to create that file every day, to put it somewhere, to descript it, to have a website to refer to, it, and all that stuff. The whole process is just the same amount of work as if I was doing an hour long weekly show. It's also more work for you to go get that thing, to check it every day. Is it up? Is it down? What's going on? Downcast isn't working today. Well, I could get it on the website. Why is the website down? I mean, all these little things. So you start to have this diminishing returns the smaller you got. I feel like strip-based comics are have not found a home in that kind of format yet because they are these bite-sized things 
that you want to consume in a way that is most bite-sized. And yeah. that's not offering that. Kind I, of I would I would actually argue with with those things. Like I, I definitely. Ooh, I like it. Go. <laughs> okay. Well, I think think about like Penny Arcade. Yeah. Penny Arcade puts out printed books, and a lot of people when they announce it, like, who's gonna buy a printed book? It sells. Those books. Oh yeah, sell. they do great. Yeah. It's like. People, and even think about like even way back in the day, like Garfield books sold. Oh, I have the huge wooden wow. or the big leather bound yeah. far side and yeah. the big uh, Calvin and Hobbes thing. I'm total. I totally agree with you on that. I think the compilation stuff. Yeah. Always a market. That's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but on a daily like new basis. You're, what you're not going to do for comic strips is say I'm not reading any of them till the whole book is done. Right. Right. It's like I uh, no like uh, with web comics like. I have a webcomic. We sell it on Comixology. Mm-hmm. You can literally get the the material for free. But our printed edition and our the one we sell on Comixology has extra bonus material. Mm-hmm. Like, like trades or whatever. Like yeah. trades or whatever. I didn't say that. Like, there's, so there's bonus material in the back of the book. I don't know if people understand this about Comixology, but you're not putting any money down or paying Comixology anything. No. Like, they take a cut of the, the profit. So there's you no... You don't sell anything. You just don't get it. Exactly. Anything. Right. So there's no reason not to do it. Yeah. And if you... Like, there are a lot of ways that you can format a, a strip comic... Uh, for example, Penny Arcade will have like notes or mm-hmm. something at the bottom of their printed material. Yes, but they are not in Comicsology, is, is all I'm getting at. So if they, I'm not saying it wouldn't. They'd probably do fine anyway because it's Penny Arcade. But, and they but have a the lot of web comics like do but sell there Comicsology. There are some. In fact, I don't know if Kurtz does or not. He I don't may. think so. Uh, d- does um, older does Comicsology allow any kind of mixed media like um, like video or audio? Uh, I don't, I I don't think so. Stephen yeah. wasn't there. Well, Marvel Unlimited started Marvel doing Unlimited that, right? Marvel started doing some yeah. of that, but I don't I'm know. just thinking, like, if you wanted to give extra content, you could have, like, a little audio commentary mm-hmm. or a little behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. video yeah, they haven't included in your book on Comixology to make it something that is not available on the web. And only but there, like, like, well, like I said, there's bonus material. Like, I, somebody mentioned here, it might have been you, that, like, people like to see how you, how you make, yeah. make stuff. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, some one of my friends like they they put out like a, a whole other separate book that's just the line art for a comic instead of like having the colors on top of it right. or you can like show the sketch process stuff like mm-hmm. that like people yeah. like that stuff there's a way you can sell it and also people um, with web comics they want to support you and they Especially if it's something like reasonably priced, like 99 cents is like a great price point for a lot of the stuff. Like um, people like, yeah, sure, for a dollar, I'll try it. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. whatever. Like I'll I'll buy a lot of things for a dollar because I don't understand what math is. <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. Like We are we are just getting we're running close out of time, and so oh, I want to open up the floor. No, everybody's fine. Everybody's doing a great job. But I wanted to make sure that if any of you had any questions, just raise your hand up, and uh, we will oh, we try need to run or don't we? Well, we'll try to repeat the question for, for, for those people. Anybody have a question? Right here. The Amazon deal? Right. So uh, Amazon bought Comixology, and it sent ripples through the industry because people are like, uh-oh, because we know. So here's the thing. Comixology owes its success, whether you like Apple or not, they owe their success to the success of the iPad and that app, and also impulse buys. Yes, that's mostly it. But it, but it's, but that was its platform of growth. That's where it started, and that's where it got huge. Later came the Android version. That was a good version, still is. In fact, now you could call it the superior version because of what I'm about to tell you. But the deal was, 
they they had this wonderful platform and then Amazon bought it and everybody went, ooh, Amazon does weird things when they do that because they won't. Apple wants their 30% thing for every app sold and every in-app in purchase and Amazon has hates that. They want their own Apple ecosystem-like thing and that's good, that's fine for them to want to do that, but they did this with Kindle. So the Kindle app, you can't download and buy a, a book on the iPad version of the Kindle app. You have to go to the website, buy it, and then later sync it. They just did that whole conversion straight over to Comixology. So the worst part was, is a lot of us, or people who maybe weren't in the know, they logged in one day and it said, we suck now. Go to the website. <laughs> you so, can read through Comixology now, but you can't purchase in that. Correct. So if you've got them already downloaded or synced, ones you own, right? And you can read them all day long. But if you want to go get a new book, like Stephen was saying, an impulse buyer, like, man, I love that issue. The next one's only 99 cents. I'm going to get it now. And I did that all the time. Yeah, me too. You can't do that anymore. Have so, they fixed that? No, not on the iOS. No, not on the iOS. Which yeah. sucks. But well, isn't that because of uh, Apple's? Thing it's, where they won't let well, it's because, well, it's because it depends of, on who you want to blame. I mean, right, Apple yeah. has a way of making money, and Amazon has a way, and Amazon right. didn't want to give any cut to, to Apple. So there's there's two camps. A lot of people are ticked at Apple. People are ticked at Amazon. I kind of get it from both perspectives. I just think we kind of lose as consumers because now that ease of use and that quick mm -hmm. functionality is gone. That's so. the thing that upsets me the most. Yeah. It's just the ease of use. Now, can I go onto Safari on my iPad and, and order it? Yes, I can, yeah. but it's that one extra layer of barrier, whereas when I get to the end of Minor Acts of Heroism issue three, it says, hey, you want to buy issue four? Yes. And I can do that. Yeah. So. yeah. The big question that I have about all this, which I mean will just remain to be seen, is the 30% that used to go to Apple. I mean, is Amazon just getting extra? Yeah, no, they get the... Is that, but are they going to negotiate better deals? With so was it, they were talking creators? at one point talking about creators about getting that, right? more or something, yeah. but that didn't happen, right? Yeah, nothing's happened yet to my Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, it just, that's the question that, that just is on my mind that I just, no one knows the answer to yet. No, it's right? Bezos. He's about. patting his uh, delivery drone money yeah. <laughs> or whatever he's going to do. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to get cynical about it. I get both perspectives in terms of the business models and stuff, but it, the, the pain of it is that it, it took this really thriving thing and set it two steps forward, one step back. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, either that gets better, competitors rise up and they are better. I really like Marvel Unlimited. The app's gotten better. It's kind of still janky mm -hmm. compared to the Comixology, but those kinds of services are cool. Um, but then again, I, I'd like to get lots of independent stuff, which I'm not going to get on the Marvel app. So there's, we're back to a, a little more confused marketplace, and that's frustrating for consumers, in my opinion. But, good, good question. Yeah. Other question. Let's go with Yellow Hat here. Yellow hat. Yellow hat. Oh, maybe it's green on your side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, my question is, if you guys all recommend a webcomic outside of your group that you really look forward to reading, either a well-established one or not okay. The question is, what webcomic do you recommend? Joel, let's start with you. Beaumaris. Oh, I yes. Boom. She is amazing. She's a French-Canadian cartoonist. She does a journal comic, and her and her husband just had a baby, and it is hilarious. Five days a week. Well, the baby is fantastic. That baby is a everything. Uh, I'm going to recommend Plocks by my friend Steve Hamaker, not just because he's my friend. He was almost here, actually, on this panel. He couldn't come last minute. But he used to be the colorist for Bone right? from Jeff Smith, and he was awesome. The color work on that was always just mind-blowing. And Steve recently launched this other comic, and it's just kind of his... It's a lot about World of Warcraft, his kind of gaming culture and this kind of stuff. I absolutely love the way he draws. Um, and this is a case of an incredibly good colorist who also happens to be an amazing artist generally. Uh, and I want to say it's at just Plox Online, P-L-O-X. If you Google it, you'll find it. 
Um, but he's, it's all long form, great chapter stuff. It's it's awesome. He's a really good artist. Very good. I've been reading a lot of uh, the Bug. Uh, I think it's Bug Martini now. Yes. Is uh, what it's called. Adam, Adam Huber, Huber yeah. does that, and and the the artwork is is simple, but the writing is is brilliant. It's kind of XKCD kind of writing. I really enjoy that. I think it's uh, it was a BugMartini.com. Uh, yes, bugmartini.com. He just changed it. He's actually yes. doing a guest comic for me this week on the way. Oh, is he really? Yeah, oh, let's yeah, go. yeah. Good. That one's a really that good one's a great guy. Yeah. I like this one called uh, Extra, Extra, Extra Light. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. I read it. <laughs> oh, that's good. You're guaranteed to smile. Right. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Did you? I like uh, JLA a lot. That run you're on. Right. It's really good. <laughs> that famous webcomic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the I can't say this name. The Abominable Charles Christopher, which oh, is yes. a webcomic by Carl Kershaw, who's like a, a DC. I don't know if he ever worked for Marvel, but a DC artist and an amazing artist in general. If you ever like want to read. Uh, if you ever read his comics, like they're just gorgeous to look at. But it's about an abominable snowman, and a lot of time there's no like talking, and it's just gorgeous art, and it's really great. Uh, I personally like Danielle Corsetto's um, uh, Girls with Slingshots. Yes. It's a good one. I like also to read really that a lot. And I've got a whole list. We'll probably do a top five on that someday. So let's go to a question right up here in the front. I'm still in. I'm still doing uh, raster because I'm using uh, Corel Painter. Now, I do want to go to Vector because, of course, you can scale up infinitely. Uh, but I just find that the scratchboard tool in that thing, I can't find a replacement for it. Now, Scott does some great stuff with brushes in Photoshop, and so does Joel, but I couldn't get it. Uh, I, I draw a lot on paper. I, some comics, if they're really complicated or require a specific like copy and paste for a joke, then I don't use a light table. I use you know digital and I do it online. Um, but um, I do Photoshop because I don't like it's um, vector is just one more barrier between me and just a quick line. And I, if I have to fiddle with stuff, I just I feel I lose the uh, the gesture or the energy of it. So um, I often ink and pencil um, on paper, but then at the very least I'll pencil on paper and then ink sometimes on the Cintiq, and it just it gives me the freedom. The first seven years of Extra Life were all pen and ink and then scan, and then I got a Cintiq, and then I never used paper again. Um, I really like the feel of the digital tablet, and I've gotten to the point where I like the kind of nibs I use and the kind of work I can produce on it. Um, yeah, I, 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 to me, they're, they're no longer... a Separation, And it's easy to sometimes kind of get old man about it and want to go, well, back in the day, paper was the way or whatever. Paper. But paper is a really cool technological advancement for a different age. I mean, when people got paper, mm. you've seen Waterworld, right? They right. Everybody <laughs> say, Come on, everybody's saying it. Hey, everybody loves paper. Yeah. You ever seen paper? Anyway. Now, do you use vector at all? Will, I, I, so, yeah, to get to the vector question. Right. Um, so I use Photoshop as well, but I never, ever go vector for similar reasons and I also don't like that Vector's gotten so good that it tries to tell me what I meant to do right. and I don't like that I get an uncanny valley feeling from my own artwork yeah. where it's, it feels like a computer went well but we straighten that a little bit yeah. Yeah. so not a big fan of that I, I do a lot of stuff where I'll create it though in raster images or whatever in Photoshop and then I will convert it to Vector for print or other reasons and that's useful for lots of reasons to have that. And that looks pretty good. And it just straight up converts it. Yeah, the technology these that's days good. to convert it is actually pretty yeah, good. Yeah, so if you so, want small file size, you want to make giant poster prints like this kind of stuff, Vector's the way to go. And this was all done in Photoshop, like this robot stuff. 
uh, when I did it, and then I just converted it to vector, and it's an AI file, and the printers are much happier with me when I do that. Yeah. Howard, do you work in a digital medium only, or do I you work still work in pencils and then transfer? About 50-50. I do the light table, draw on the regular board, scan it in, and then ink it in Photoshop and put tones and stuff like that. But no vector that, uh, like Scott said, it, it'll tell you, you want that jaw to be round, and it'll... <laughs> Yeah, nobody wants a round Batman jaw, right? <laughs> Adriana? A um, couple things. Uh, Brian, I'll talk to you later about um, getting cool. uh, better brushes. Better brushes. Better brushes in, like, Photoshop. Right. Okay. But um, there are programs that are making vector more natural. Like, you did, said you didn't want anything between you, between you and the line. Like, I completely understand that. Yes. And, and like, it correcting for you, but um, there are better, they're getting better and better programs for that. Um, I work in Flash for work a lot, um, which is uh, vector stuff, and for a while with uh, another comic um, that me and my co-creator did called Stop, like we started out doing everything digitally and everything vector for like this, we're like, we want to be able to scale this up later, blah, blah, blah. And it was too slow. It was too slow. I used to do the pencil work, uh, the pencils, quotation marks, in, all in um, uh, co- the computer, and it was it was um, it was too slow, in the sense that I don't know. I just draw differently. But that said, I um, I usually it depends on what I'm drawing. Uh, for example, I just drew a thing where I needed to keep make sure everyone in the, the panels stay uh, proportional to each other and like I drew this really good head over here and a really good head over here but they're supposed to be standing in the same room and they're all the wrong size so I take like uh, usually at that point I'm like ah, and I take it into the computer fix everything and then hand it off to Kristen to ink it and she um, used to ink um, with uh, pen and sometimes she still does, but uh, right now she inks with like the lasso tool in in Photoshop, like a a machine, like like no other human does on the planet, but she does. But um, it's it's raster stuff, um, just because uh, it's the technology is just not there for it. The programs that do support you painting and working more naturally aren't robust enough to make the file sizes that you need. They're just not robust enough right now. Okay. We are out of time. So very quickly, just down the line, where can people find more of your stuff? Adriana. Uh, AdrianaFerguson.com and MinorActsOfHeroism.com. Howard? Um, Justice League 3000 comes out once a month. It's a comic shop. Okay. <laughs> oh, actually, I have, a, I have a Critical Hit sketchbook in the lobby if you want to buy the yep. Critical Hit sketchbook. There's a whole Brian? sketchbook. Sorry. Uh, BrianDunaway.com and also check out ComicsCoastToCoast.com where we do interviews with cartoonists every week. And we're doing a live show in a half an hour. Oh, we're doing a live show in a half an hour. Come feel the uh, superior room. The love. superior room. Oh, please. The superior room. Yes. Scott. I think meant feel the love. Feel, feel the love. Feel it. Can you feel Does everybody know where you can find Scott's stuff? Uh, MyExtraLife.com for the comic. I tried to get the just extra life, but the guy wouldn't sell it unless I paid him $67,000. So it's still my extra life. Not a problem. Uh, you can find that or frogpants.com for all the illustration stuff. And most of what I do is up on the store and stuff, too, as many of you know. So and thank Joel. you for always coming and supporting all that. Uh, StarCrossedOnline.com for the comic and JoelDuggan.com for everything else that I'm right. up to. And I've got some books to sign in the library, lobby if you guys are interested. All right. Did everybody enjoy this? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank we you. enjoyed so you. Thank you, the panelists.
Thank you, guys. Your next panel begins in 30 minutes at 3 o'clock. You can also Thanks, ask everybody. questions. Like, I'll be out there signing sketchbooks. And, and thank you for listening to comments. our uh, raster versus vector. Uh, if you're not a cartoonist, stuff, man. that's pretty deep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how are you? Fat Dick's Ray Vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline would I really even need to read upon all those escapades I mean who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe but the downside is such a beast being shot up in a fun bee in the middle east with a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 Major Spoilers. Major Spoilers is copyright 2014.